0: Hello and welcome to the Lewis and Kyle Show, an interview podcast where Lewis and I bring on people that we think have the answers to the questions that we're asking ourselves. Whether that be how to make money online, entrepreneurship, marketing, real estate, running a show, or just living an unconventional life. We bring them on to learn what they've done, how they've done it, and we want to share that advice with you all. Lewis, who do we have on the show today?
1: Hey Kyle, this is a super fun episode. We bring on Howard Lindzen, who's a very accomplished guy. He's done a ton of things and it's really hard to boil him down to a short intro, but I'll do my best here real quick. He is the founder and general partner of the angel investing firm, Social Leverage, which has made early stage investments in companies like Robinhood, Techstars, Angelist, and WAG, the dog walking app. He's also the co-founder and chairman of StockTwits, which is a huge online community for people talking about stocks, different tips for trading, different bets they're making, and that whole scenario. He's also been an active blogger on his website, howardlimson.com, for about 15 years, where he's used it as a personal investment journal, talking about his decision-making, the trends he's following, and what he's been thinking over the past 15 years. And that is a very interesting thing to go back and read. He's written books on the topics as well. Uh, in this episode, we get into his investment philosophy for both private and public investing, his story of how Robinhood was pitched to him and why he chose to invest in them. He shares some career advice for college graduates. And last, we get into how to identify and follow trends. It's a great conversation. I was really grateful he came on to this with us and I think you all will really enjoy it. So with that, we're gonna cut right to it. Hello, Howard, thank you so much for coming on the show with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, our first question for you, uh, before we jump into your investing career, both in the public markets and as a private investor, is about your podcast that you've been putting out since the quarantine, Panic with Friends. Uh, mm-hmm. Since March 10th, you've put out over 75 episodes, which is just a ton of conversations. Uh, and yeah. a lot of these guests have had major roles in the world in this time. I saw you put out one with Apology, who was a huge source of information early on, and Cloudflare, which has been a huge piece of the infrastructure allowing you know the server load on the internet to just quadruple overnight and not yeah. break. Uh, what lessons have you learned from this intense period of focused conversation with these people?
2: Uh, that's a good question. The um, You know, I kind of know these people. Matthew, I know uh, personally, you know, from from lunches to having Jeremy, my nephew, work there in Austin. I think you may know Jeremy, actually, Vernick. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's cousins of Ruben and, and Aaron. Sure. The... Um, you know the major thing you learn is that uh well it's just how everybody thinks about the world so differently, but you know matthew's got a fast growing company, like you said, internet infrastructure the uh how they've had to grow twelve- you know during this pandemic they're working from home just like everybody else, and they had also hired twelve hundred people uh during this whole thing, so everybody's like you know, the world is, was shut down, but the world was still growing. And, you know, and while there was a lot of pain and suffering and all this to keep the internet growing, they, they had a job to do, which was onboard, you know, employees and grow their business. Um, and then with Balaji, you know, I was just interested to get his take on what the future looks like with green red zones and contact tracing. And he studied it so much and really has a little background in biotechnology and genomics, So it's just interesting to just lean back and listen. You know, I don't know Balaji as our first conversation, so it was more listening. Whereas with Matthew, we've hung out and I can goof off a little bit and play off the conversation. So each conversation is different. It's called panic with friends. So really, I wanted to be with friends that I know. So it's not like just some, hey, welcome to KYZ radio and tell us uh, about your book tour. So I think people like it because it's not radio. It's just conversations with people that I respect and uh, want to learn from.
1: That's great. I think it's a, a really cool concept. And Kyle and I also started this podcast during the quarantine uh, with similar goals, not the panic with friends idea, but the kind of learning from people who we might not have access to because uh, normally, but we do because of Zoom and they're working from home and those things.
2: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have had time. Listen, I travel two weeks a month and is the first, I you don't know. 90 120 days i haven't been on a plane i think i don't remember that and i'm getting used to it already so it's like i'm i'm the experiment myself in that you know i'm 50 years old 54 so i shouldn't lie but 54 years old and lived a certain life for 30 years building my business uh, self-motivating getting on airplanes meeting people and now I'm the rat in the lab, meaning I've been lucky not to get sick or be uh, weirdly affected or poorly aff- or badly affected by this. So I've been one of the lucky ones, uh, and not just in terms of the virus, but financially. And I also have been one of the lucky ones in the sense my life better. better. Uh, so what does that mean? You know, for, is that 10% of the people whose lives are better? Or is it 90%? Like who's lying to who? Uh, what does this look like after, you know, from a from my nephews and my daughter's perspective and my son who are in their 20s and may never be able to uh, have uh, dinner with their friends and, and network like they used to, uh, that I did for 20 years versus a person like me who's like, man, if I can get away with not traveling, mm-hmm. would I? <laughs> and what would that world look like? And what's my marketing going to be? And, you know, how are people going to, pitch me and know me so you know from the 20 year old who's stressing out because their job is going to be different and they don't know who their boss is being in a zoom uh world learning your skills is different than being in an office environment to to their 30s where it's like oh god my whole career has changed because you know i can't network and build my uh, network the way i was used to doing it versus your 50s which is like i'm rich or i think i'm you know, what do I do because I never really liked travel and can I build a life where I list, you know, live in a cocoon, mm-hmm. uh, build this, you know, work life balance at my house. Do I get a nicer house because I know I'm going to work there or do I get a, you know, am I going to go back to WeWork and what's, do I really need to travel? So we're all thinking about it in different ways. And I think that's part of the the podcast too, As life goes on, but life has changed. Definitely. Uh, even if it was fake news, even if it was like not the Chinese, it was just a rare strain of virus that uh, the military cooked up to test everybody and uh, see, uh, It ha- you know, whatever it is, you can blame whoever, but uh, 90 days of lockdown, let's see what happens.
1: Exactly. And I think that's a really interesting point about it doesn't really matter who or what caused this, but the effects are here to stay, or they're here to be us pointing fingers,
2: you know. We're, exactly. we're a long way from pointing, we're pointing fingers for whatever reason, it makes no mm-hmm. sense at this point. Like, the government's supposed to be just figuring this out for us and the mm-hmm. media, and but we're too busy to be pointing fingers. What does that do? Like, we're not exactly. doing a job of, of testing people. Like, well, I think we certainly don't trust like what everybody's saying, you guys, but no mm-hmm. more than me. I mean, I don't think you guys are going to trust the media. I watch my kids, and, and they're on TikTok they're not even stressing out about it. They're just, yeah. Uh, where do you guys get your news from? I'll have you go first.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good question. Most of my news comes directly from Twitter, uh, directly from the people that I follow. Um, I think that it's a, a really good way to see both sides of the coin, um, no matter what you're, you're looking for, whether it be stocks or, or Um, news or or whatever politics you you, you just see uh, real-time everything I know that you think that it's like the new Bloomberg
2: uh, I heard you say that last night and I do but I'm in an echo chamber just because I'm old and Mm -hmm. um, so that's nice that you're trying to listen to both sides I think for a young person I wonder if the echo if the echo chamber starts young, that's pretty poisonous. That's actually
0: one of my my tweets the other day was that it's one of the biggest threats to our generation uh, yeah. is the echo chambers within social media because um, both sides do, uh, directly refuse to look at arguments without thoughtful consideration, and that'll lead to a proliferation of these echo chambers even further and. People just don't, don't see eye to
2: eye at all on anything. And are you guys doing the same thing? Are you fighting with your friends immediately or, or is, is, is politics become something that uh, you guys consider or, I mean, you guys can vote. So, I mean, are you guys having the same arguments?
1: I think it all depends on uh, who you hang out with. So if you're with like-minded friends, you tend to kind of like all rah-rah and get kind of hype each other up on the same topics. You're like, you agree and they agree with you and you're getting all excited about it. And then if the friends that you hang out with that, view politics differently it tends to just you know that they view politics differently because you can see on their social media that they share things that you don't believe in and then when you're in person you just usually choose not to talk about things to keep the contentious arguments from to stay friends for more or less Uh, that's kind of on the extremes and that's also because the only people that tend to care about politics or at least vocalize their opinions on politics tend to have stronger viewpoints left or right Uh, and so it's Known well that it's just best not to bring things up.
2: Are uh, young people young people on social media are sharing their politics? I think it depends on the platform and on the person.
0: I think it's interesting for you because you've been uh, talking on the internet for the last fifteen years. Um, you know, in two thousand five, your first five blog posts sum up some of the most profitable and influential businesses of the last fifteen years. Like you were, you were identifying trends, and then mm-hmm. they ended up being right. So I know that's a big piece of your investing strategy, but how do you go about finding the sharks to follow?
2: I think that's the most, like, so I you know, I'm lucky I have, uh, you know, I don't do such a good job with you. It's hard to mentor your own kids. So when I see kids your age, it's like the greatest thrill of my life because you guys, especially the ones that are opting in to just listen to me right? It's hard with your own kids. You, you boss your kids around, your parents probably hate the same thing. It's like, fuck, am I in charge of my kids at the age of 20? Like, cause you're never going to give your own kids good advice once they're 20 because you don't really know that much about them. You know, my son loves music and golf, but don't you want your kid to be, you know, an entrepreneur or uh, take over the world or, you know, and, whereas my daughter wants to take over the world. So it's easy to give her advice. Um, and so for, for my own kids, I, you know, from all the parents that I talk to that have kids my age, it's like, hey, you've, you've set them on a course. Good luck. Don't fucking good luck trying to change their, their opinions. Just be a good parent and uh, set a good example. With other kids that ask me for advice, I'm happy to give them advice. and I seem to be pretty good at giving general advice because I like young people. Uh, and if I didn't have to raise them... I don't have to dig into what their um, their flaws and what they excel at because they're gonna they're gonna ask me questions sincere questions about what they should do with their lives so I'll give them a sincere answer from my view of the world and um, for me it's been quite simple is all the math mistakes I made were twofold I'm a good salesman so all my mistakes were getting involved with businesses and companies and products that weren't good products, right? Like if you're a good salesperson, go work for a company that's already doing a great job selling. That doesn't mean you can't excel at sales. Like if the product's flying off the shelves, Uh, all the better to be a good salesman because you're going to learn good techniques because you're going to be the product's flying off the shelf so fast. You can't afford not to ship it. So you got to figure out how to get the product and you got to, you learn all the good things about what happens at a company that's that's excelling. So the lesson number one that I tell young people, and it's not even about finding trends, it's just stating the obvious is what companies are you guys talking about? What companies would you kill? to be inside of and then go figure out how to get inside that company. If that means starting a podcast and getting recognized in the marketing department, or if that means going into the HR department and saying, I'm just going to travel around the campuses for you guys and find other talent, get the best of, or I just want to work on your social media, or I want to be in sales and I don't care how many calls I have to make a day for you. So it's like, get inside a rocket ship. And then once you've experienced a rocket ship, you yourself have spotted the trend. And you will learn a lot more inside a good company than a bad company. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you shouldn't make mistakes. Like you're going to make mistakes and you'll learn a lot from your mistakes. But if you're going to get skills that apply to real life, do it inside a rocket ship, do it inside of a place that's going in the right direction. Uh, you know, get yourself pointed in the right direction, which is up and to the right. And you know, there's so many kids, you know, in my age, you opened up the newspaper to find a job. You didn't have any Google. You couldn't like, the odds of us doing it right were zero. The, the thing about kids, our parents today are like pushing kids, get get going, get going. And it's like, no, a kid should be figuring out how to launch themselves into orbit. And the easiest way to launch yourself into orbit is don't waste five years working at shitty companies. You know, go make 10 grand working at a great company versus 60 grand working at a company where you're pushing it up the hill by yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so in an era where, like, again, when I was 20, it was like, open up the paper, circle a couple things, cold call. You didn't know what the company was good or bad. Now you can Google and work reverse, you know, build your resume, get spotted on LinkedIn, hopefully, or, you know, you're going to get spot. There's a chance that you get spotted, obviously, by doing podcasts and mm-hmm. putting yourself out there. But there's an easy way for you to just circle the 10, go to Glassdoor and work. Look at the ten best companies to work for, hundred best companies, and target them. We didn't have those tools, so younger people should just take their time, because you're going to live till you're a hundred, right? You're in the back seat of an Uber. You're not driving and drinking. You're um, wearing a mask. You can wear gloves. You can do all these things. You don't have to fly. Uh, you can do social media to project yourself. So it's, it's a pretty safe environment to live till you're a hundred right now. So why rush when you're 20 to get the first job out of college just so you can get a paycheck? right? That's the first thing I I tell kids that aren't my own. It's harder to tell your own kids that. And then the second thing about trends is um, you guys already know it. Follow me. Like, okay. I didn't have anybody to follow. Like you already know how to do it because you're following me. And that's my job is to find trends. So as long as I'm finding trends, I'm doing all the work for you. So, so, and so once you find people that can mentor you and help you spot trends, just be nice to them. You don't need to like, you know, hold your breath. And if some, if the person that you respect says something that you don't believe with you, unfortunately you're just going to have to brush it off until you yourself are a great white shark. So just keep your mouth shut and follow along, uh, say thank you once in a while. It's just basic social etiquette. Um, and, uh, glean, 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 follow, 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 just like the pilot fish, right? Like if you look at a picture of a great white shark, uh, great life, I mean, it's great. I mean, I don't know. Teeth fall out. They get new teeth. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hard to hunt. Uh, There's nobody in the ocean that really can take it on. Uh, But the pilot fish that swim underneath have a really good life too. And they don't have to kill anything. They don't have to uh, hide from anybody. And all they got to do is swim along underneath the great white shark. So in, in, in my world, that's what I do. I found the people that kind of Uh, discover things faster than me so I don't have to do that heavy work and then I have to position myself not to be too far behind the great white sharks and not to get too far ahead of them and there's plenty of meat plenty of food uh, plenty of directional bias if you swim very close to the leaders in your industry and so for me I just follow smart people Uh, and then the people that follow me it's their decision if they want to catapult forward so the other thing is if you ever watch the Tour de France the bicycle race very much like the real world, you know, it's in packs, you know, cause you can go you know, the Peloton and you see birds flying like this too. It's, you know, the triangle formation or, or the cluster formation, and the people in front take on all the wind and the people behind, you know, up to 40% less drag. And so, uh, those people, you know, two, three rows back, uh, <clears throat> those people two, three rows back, uh, are, are peddling 40% less. And then at some point they got to move ahead. They springboard ahead to break the wind. So okay. as, as, as young kids, you have to decide, of course, sometimes you're either You can't keep up with the pack because even at 40% less drag, you can't keep up and you got to, you got to fall back and do something differently and just survive. Or you realize, Hey, I can keep up with the pack. I'll do my part and get ahead of the pack. And that's what life is like too. You know, you move off in your directions and become an expert in something and then you become the leader. Um, So it's just that constant push and pull of the Peloton and then deciding where you fit in in nature and in the uh, great white shark example.
0: I think the idea of the cycle where you're you're going to the front and coming back and going to the front and coming back is really powerful and uh, an example for how people, the people love be, the race. Look at the world.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, the people love the race. It's a beautiful race, right? It's like, how do they do that? Well, they do that because they're you know they're sharing you know, they're sharing drag, right? They're in great shape. So you gotta be in great shape. So what does that mean? Same in life, you gotta be prepared. You gotta fucking know your subject. You gotta be, you know, maybe you can wear Lulu now and you don't have to wear a suit. Like there's all these great things, you know, everybody can dress the same. Uh, It's not about your clothing and it's not about your, where you went to school uh, you know what I mean? And now with zoom, it's like, you don't even have to wear pants. You just got to wear a shirt. You know what I mean? Like how much easier could it be? But, or harder, like again, like, you know, maybe clothes was the way you stood out. So, but at the same time, it is what it is. So, so in a world like that, how do you ride with the pack? And then how, when do you decide to accelerate and when do you decide to conserve Mm -hmm. energy? And that's really what it is. The bike, the bike race is a beautiful thing for that in nature. And try and keep it as uncomplicated as that, and just. And then, in 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 the other thing, I tell young people: you only have to be good at one thing. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be Tiger Woods. Uh, top hundred and fifty guys, fifty guys on the tour make good money. Um, you know, so once you choose your field, uh, you've got to. Um, it's you know, it's after a certain amount of time, you will excel. Like if once mm-hmm. you pick the lane that and the people in the industry you want to be in, there's just time, time works magical, you know, things. And um, it's just a question of getting in shape and, you know, being prepared for the marathon of it all.
0: Well, I mentioned your incredible track record. You know, I mentioned the five, the five first blog posts, but what's something that stands out in your mind of you being absolutely sure that something was going to take
2: off and then just being
0: completely wrong?
2: Oh, completely wrong. (laughs) Good one. No, that's, I, I, I know when I'm absolutely right. And that's only been a couple times in my life. So that's, so that's important too, is this, like, if you work really hard, most deals you do is like, oh, that's a lot of shit can go wrong. And some things you do, you just like, oh my God, like that was a no brainer. Um, but one that didn't work, meaning I was actually sure it was going to work and it didn't work at all. If you have um, an example of that. I meant like a, a trend
0: that you thought was going to blow up and, and change the world. Like you said,
2: social networks would, and
0: it has And
1: like long tail yeah. keywords and how that would change everything.
2: I Wasn't there their um, Not this is not an ego thing because I'm not the first. I don't. I'm not MIT. I'm not Fred Wilson or Mark Andreessen or or Warren Buffett. I'm not the shark. So well, I am personally. I mean, politically, I, I yeah. guess I don't think Trump would win. Right, because I don't read enough, you know, I don't understand polls and I trusted the New York Times. Yeah. So it was like, you know, the night he won, he was New York Times had Hillary Clinton winning until the last minute. Yes. So so I would say I was dead wrong about that. Right. Sure. And 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 you could see the market the next day crash, but recovered. Like everybody was confused because mm-hmm. we were all following the New York Times and the mm-hmm. Washington Post. So that was like the first time I've been wrong okay um the second time and then i'm wrong in the market all the time right yeah like, okay so because the markets are behavior based and it's hard to time it so i'm wrong in the market all the time but i've learned to to just not blow up mm-hmm. right? and that's that that's the stock market which is very different than investing in private companies because when in the stock market you change your mind the next day whoop, add up your losses or gains and move on in the private market once you invest in a company it's you know it's either they go out of business and, you know, or it's 10 years and you don't really have much say, right? So you've got to get the direction right. Um, so I'd say in, 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 in that essence, I've, I haven't been one where I've shocked. I was like, this is going to work and it hasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, you know, the, there has been deals that have working great and then not working great. We're investing in a company called WAG, which is a dog walking uh, like Uber for dog walking. And it was kind of silly, but we did the investment because we love dogs and we thought it was a great idea and a great app. And it was working. You know, we invested at a $4 million valuation and we didn't really have to do that. We were helping the, f- the founders with the little things that we help with. And the company was growing, growing, growing. And then they raised $300 million from SoftBank. And I remember my partners and I looking at each other and I'm like, we're fucked. Like, either this is now going to be something huge uh, or it's going to be a zero because, you know, $300 million, we have no say. Like, I mean, SoftBank came in and it was a wild and loose. nobody needs $300 million. But this was a couple of years ago when SoftBank was spreading money around like drunk sailors. And, you know, I remember looking at my partners going, this is good or bad? This is not in between. Like they're either going to do something amazing with this three hundred million and go public and buy a bunch of companies, or they're going to piss away the three hundred million and like it's an embarrassment. And um, it's you know because we've learned from SoftBank everything they touched in the last few years is kind of a disaster. And so we were part of it in a grand experiment that we had no control over. Uh, so we learned a lot of lessons from it. You know how to protect ourselves from stupidity. That goes on around us. That was the first time where, like, an ETH layup, you know, dog walking service that everybody started to make sense, just raised too much money and imploded. Okay. And the company's still around, but like, it's just been like, who needs 300? You know, you got to clean up that mess. Um, but in terms of like me investing in something and then just being utterly shocked hasn't happened because I don't take that kind of risk. Mm-hmm. I always expect things to be shitty because we're the first check into a company and like they could, so many things can go wrong. So WAG would be the only example of something yeah. that should have done, it should be doing better than it is and money screwed it up. Uh, Robinhood's an example of like when I met the founders and saw the product, I was like, this is a billion dollar. It's very few times where I go, this is a billion dollar idea, whether that, you know. Uh, and that was one that I've been right from day
1: one. Do you mind getting into that story a little bit? Like at what stage the idea was at when they presented it to you and what you saw in them that excited you about it? Yeah. I mean, it was only, that's a question we had.
2: Yeah. The, the, from starting stock twits um, and seeing our, our success and understanding Twitter um, from the very early days, I said, you know, you should be able to buy a stock from the tweet. You know, so I, shown it to fred wilson i said why can't you know that you click the hashtag and it goes to the it you opens your brokerage account and you just buy apple so if you know Howard linton says i'm buying apple okay, yeah and i like ready. what you have to say and i'm just like, I'm yeah, just gonna like say, and of course you can just go open your own brokerage you say oh you know open up my own brokerage and uh buy apple and you know, thanks. Um, but my idea was more like, why can't it be from the atomic unit of the hashtag? Like, why shouldn't you just click? It opens your brokerage and, you know, and then sends a thank you note to the guy who sent it. Hey, by the way, no, no pressure, but, uh, thanks for the tip. I bought Apple too. Uh, have a good day. You know, just all that stuff should be happening from the atomic unit of the, what Twitter was building. Uh, you flash forward, and so I, they didn't want to do that. I started stock twits, you know, right or wrong. And we came up with the dollar sign. And so instead of the hashtag, it was like, well, you know, tickers are spoken, you know, G-O-O-G is a language, you know, mm-hmm. A-A-P-L is a language and there's intent in that language. Meaning if I say I'm going to the corner store to buy a green apple, uh, and I was on stock Twitch, I'd be pissed. Like, what is the fuck does it? going to a corner store to buy apple have to do with the stock so you know i speak in that language and i'm like well you know just clicking on an apple hashtag meant nothing because you were getting you know references to the to buying apples or i like apples mm-hmm. or mixed with oh i love apple the stock so mm-hmm. in order to make twitter better for me i came up with the idea and you know showed it to fred and fred was like that's genius mm-hmm. and so for whatever reason i started my own company on that you know, going back 12 years, it's hard to remember all the stories, but I was just like, fuck, this is a good idea. Fred thinks it's a good idea. I'm going to start a company. And the whole thing was, you know, someone should be able to trade from the the ticker. And, uh, you know, five years later, Robinhood pitched me, they had a high frequency trading firm. It was called something else. And they showed me the app that they were going to build. And I said, you know if you build that they were like the old movie if you build it people will come hmm. and uh it was very much uber for trading and you know it was one of those whether they believed it or not i thought if you build that stock twits will get you 10,000 users you know and that like so it's very hard to get 10,000 users and i just absolutely knew that if they built that and let my audience uh, at stock twits trade on it everybody on StockTwits would use it. So I got that right. And Once you you get the first 10,000, the first 10,000 is what matters. So it's like, that's all I can prove. I'm writing a a seed check. I can't, I'm not smart enough to know if a million people will use something, but I was absolutely sure in my mind that 10,000 people would use it. And so if 10,000 people use it, a million people can use it because it's the internet and if you can find 10,000 doppelgangers, you can find a million doppelgangers. So uh, when I know that my ten thousand users will use it, it's—I'd have to be—it either has to be such a narrow product that only ten thousand people use it, and that's what I have gotten wrong. You know, that's something, but that's still not wrong. I mean, you can still build a business around ten thousand users. It may just be a small media business, but. But if ten thousand users, if you can, you know, if you're going to get to ten, you're going to get to a hundred. If you're going to get to a hundred, you're going to get to a million. Yeah. So then, it, it, then it just becomes a question: Can you, serve, you know, build a business around it? And Robinhood's just done all those things on their own spectacularly, and they're an eight billion dollar company on their way to being a public company. I'm sure. I just googled it, and they have ten million users now. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Uh... I don't even know if they share those numbers. I'm sure if they have ten, I'm sure it's twenty at this point. I didn't realize the, the
1: timeline of that makes so much sense now. How you already had stock Twitch yeah. for a period of time. Stock Twitch is my inside information. Yeah, yeah. You had yeah. aggregated users and knew a lot about the uber financial nerds or whatever you want to call them. These people that just their entire day is talking about stock. investments, secret
2: sauce information.
1: Okay. So that yeah. makes it so much sense now.
2: So you already had
1: that personal information about the trend of this group of people cares about finance in this way and would love to interact with it. In the way so that that is
2: one where I got ahead of the sharks. Okay. I don't care what the sharks are doing. It's not their fault. But I mm-hmm. see something. I see a piece of easy kill that I'm going to mm-hmm. leave the herd and break away from the pack. Even if even that means they're going right and I'll get lost. Uh, there are certain points in your life where you just see the pitch and you go, wait a minute, I'm an expert at this. It's not their fault that they don't see it. I don't even want to bug them. And it's not like I went to all my sharks and said, Hey guys, what about this? Those sharks give me money. So Fred Wilson and Mark Andreessen, they're investors of my fund. I'm suppo- They're betting on me to swim away from the pack once in a while. You know, I, I only leave the pack when I see something that is completely in my experience like I know I'm in good enough shape to do it I know the team around me to do it I have signal from things that I know they'd be they'd yell at me if I didn't leave the pack to do that like that's my job and you know uh and that's what leads to outsized success is you know swimming away from the safety once in a while Mm -hmm. Uh, you shouldn't swim away from the safety just to swim away from the safety And that's just nature, Mm -hmm. you know. Follow Mother Nature on this stuff. It's like you know, you got to have, you got to do things sometimes by the book, but occasionally you got to leave. I mean, if you see something, exploit it. So, yeah, but there's risk involved, like always. But I was, I had reduced the risk immensely, and that that doesn't mean they should have believed me. I mean, they took my money, but they could have said, you know, we'll do it another way. But they also. Got something out of it, like what a what a great hack to get ten thousand users to get someone mm. free promoting it all the time. So it was a win-win-win, and uh, I haven't had to do much work with the company since then because it's a rocket ship. Uh, because the first ten thousand people were 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 really just a um what do you call it, a lab for what millions of people were going to do. Definitely.
1: Uh, so on the same topic of your your investment group, it's called Social Leverage. Is the firm? Uh, could you explain the meaning of that? Because Uh, I know it's relating to kind of leveraging the power of the compounding effects of relationships and having different, I guess, relationships, primarily uh, different social relationships, different relationships with people in different companies and being able to use that collective knowledge and the network effects to grow everyone win, win, win. Is that the meaning of it or is there a different? And is that uh, actually, does the investment philosophy kind of turn out the way you had designed it to with that idea? Yeah,
2: it's just turned out better. I thought the banks were ripping us off. I thought they were criminal organizations. uh, And that was in my head, you know? So, so that was what woke me up in the morning. It's like, fuck, I hate the banks. I think they Hmm. got away with murder in 2008. And it should have been perp walks for the CEOs of the banks. And they knew what was going on. You you know, it drove me nuts until it did until I just stopped stressing about it. But, um, and what brought bank, what Brought down two thousand eight. Whether you were in real estate or whatever, it was financial leverage. Meaning, you know, the concept of, well, if I got a thousand dollars, I can lend it out ten times and yada. You learn it in school, right? And mm-hmm. and but it doesn't take very much to blow things up. And so uh, I never bought into the. I'm Canadian. I'm conservative. I never bought into the infinite leverage of money. And it may be there, but it leads to irresponsible behavior and it doesn 't take much of a move to, for the market to blow up and We see this in the stock market all the time but uh, so 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 until two thousand and eight in the real estate crisis, financial leverage was cool uh, as a way to like you know instead of buying one home i 'll buy ten using little bits of money and constantly increasing my risk because I have all these interest payments you know and if something small happens in the system, you get blown up. Uh, whereas social leverage was something where like if I'm nice, and I'm smart about one subject on the web, people will find me, and then they'll have people that find me, and it's like it's infinite, uh, and the only risk is you blow yourself up because you overcommit your time, right? You get lost in the in the leverage of it all, and you're just farting around all day, uh, wasting your time. But it's infinite leverage social because, uh, and it's good leverage because you get to meet down to, you know, the long tail is you, you meet thousands of thousands of people from one from one point on the internet. That's infinite. So I had this whole concept about, you know, social leverage is good. And the only thing I got to worry about is cleaning my stream, right. Making sure there's no cancer in the system, you know, so, you know, people sneak into your life through your social network because you may not have taken the time to curate it properly and they turn out to be a bad, you know, a bad egg or, or a bad node in the system. So the only thing that, you know, and that's, you can look at the social networks themselves, Facebook and, and Twitter, and they're only bad because of choices they make themselves, right? There's always going to be bad actors, but it's how you, it's how you keep them out and how you clean up the, the river. You know, the Nile river used to be a clean river. And now if you drink out of the Nile river, you can go blind. Uh, so, you know, as power, as great as that river was, it's not so great anymore if you pollute it forever. So, the idea of social leverage is much like a river and as much like, you know, it's infinite and it's flowing all the time and it's up to us to kind of curate it and clean it and protect it. And and, and so we all have this infinite amount of leverage and if you take care of it, you can grow. And so that's why these platforms are doing so well. Like it's, it's it's so easy to, to, to maintain them relative to the old world, right? It's very digital it's not as much physical and there's a lot less chances for it to get polluted and it's a lot much easier to keep these platforms updated and or and and so if they're working they're growing and so that's the concept of social leverage and the the downside risk
1: is just much more controllable than the downside of financial leverage
2: oh yeah financial leverage is a tactic not a strategy eventually it comes back to haunt you as we've seen in 2008 we can't predict when we don't predict what the pinprick yeah. that does it. Social Housing prices going down. Social for, leverage, yeah. you can you can wreck it, but there's millions of ways to clean up the nodes in the system, whether it's cloud flare. Uh, there's, you're, there's everybody's building tools to keep going back to the river before there was the cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was millions of ways to clean the river, but if everybody takes a shit in the river, eventually it's going to get <laughs> polluted. Uh, Twitter, we're seeing that. Everybody's taking a dump, and Twitter's not you know, their their terms of use are so 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 you really have to clean your own river. And which I do, like that's part of my job. You know, I'm like I can't complain about it. I gotta just constantly curate, which leads to echo chambers, unfortunately. So the downside of Twitter Mm -hmm. and Facebook not doing their job and probably why people are so excited about decentralized, whether it works or not, is that fuck, these gatekeepers are doing a shit job. of of curating they're creating algos to shit to throw shit at me that i don't want and therefore we're in danger we're seeing the downside of social leverage uh, in a centralized world where there's a gatekeeper that decides what you can see and what you can't see so really they're media companies and and they're denying being media companies and they're letting lie if they're a media company they should be subject to it like burying us in lies so they're playing it both ways so we're seeing right now why it's TikTok and Snapchat are probably the best social networks, uh, and why I'm long Snapchat, and why I would be, you know, why I'm long Tencent, which is kind of like uh, TikTok in many ways, is they're not really social networks. They are communication platforms and media businesses, and they're kicking off bad actors and and trying to protect their users by either the messages disappearing or with TikTok they it's really just multiple channel, TV channel, you get to choose your, yeah. your, your, your path. Um, so, so, so social, social leverage has its downsides and we're seeing that with Facebook and Twitter, uh, maybe not so much with Instagram, but we're now we're seeing new forms of, of the leverage, which is, you know, uh, TikTok, which is fascinating and Snapchat, which is opening up their API, uh, to create mini apps, much like uh, Tencent, 10 which is an interesting idea.
1: Sure. So the big difference between yourself as social leverage and these media companies, Twitter and Facebook, is that they're media companies. You just yeah, say
2: yeah. they'll it, say they're all oh, free well, speech well, platforms. And i like, good <laughs> luck. Good the difference here. is
1: that you're the gatekeeper for social for social leverage the firm, whereas these companies aren't doing as job of a good of job as gatekeeping as you'd like to think. But Kyle has yeah, I hate
2: I hate another question because stock twits mm-hmm. is a little bit of both, right? We we argue all the time at stock twits if if Donald Trump was on Stocktwits would we kick him off and it's like no brainer as you know I'm not the CEO but it's no brainer to me gone like no one's bigger than the system you know if you take a shit on people in Stocktwits we're kicking you off sure, you can come, come back and behave under a different name it's pseudonymous you can start again but uh, you you blew your chance zero tolerance so uh, Twitter has okay. endless tolerance, right? They're changing the rules for somebody. That's the beginning of the end. Once you start changing your rules to please one person, well, you got to have rules for everybody. Yep. Instead of having simple rules, 10 commandments, like whether they're good or bad, there's 10 commandments. Maybe there yeah. should be 40, but yeah. with 10. And it seems to have worked pretty damn well.
0: I think we're certainly seeing the beginning of the end for at least uh, at least one of these four major platforms that have controlled the last uh,
2: eight or nine years. Um, Correct. I, I won't predict how it's going to end, but we have seen, we are past, we are definitely, and you can see it in the stock price, right? Snapchat is starting to, people are like, "Oh, it's 20 billion. Why is it going up? Well, because they're not a social network. They're a communications platform and they and the users trust it because the messages are going to disappear, yada, yada, yada. And then we're starting to see also that, uh, used to be a college product, but now we know that 13-year-olds use it, and now we know that mm-hmm. postgraduates graduates are using it. So they're kind of slowly breaking out of, you know, much like Facebook started out as a single school and then spread to the world, Snapchat is now trying to figure out, okay, we had our cohorts, but now we're finding out that uh, kids that leave college will still use Snapchat. Well, that's a big, big thing. And now Snapchat's trying to figure out how do they make their product more usable for people that have left college and have their 200 friends and communicate and still use it. Twitter Um, has none of that power, right? You really have to come on to Twitter and invest and really figure it out for yourself. That's a lot of work that most people aren't willing to do.
0: um, So you get pitched, it's changing gears now. Uh, You get pitched all the time, probably every day in some form or fashion. um, With a good business uh, being a prerequisite, so the company's good, you think it'll probably work. What sets the pitch or the founder apart
2: from one another uh, it just depends you know my i'm very much put walls up around me like i'm not doing biotech i'm not doing certain things so so someone pitching me they they should be pitching me around a financial services or something they should know what i'm looking for first because i'm out there putting the vibe out right and i'm out there uh, writing and, and doing that so mm-hmm. yes i do get pitched all the time because people don't know that there's certain rules of engagement and it's not their fault, but it's definitely a screening tool that I use, you know, just cold pitches. Just, it's just, I can't, it may, maybe they get lucky and I skim it and it's a miracle that I'm like it, it, but most of the time it's warm pitches uh, from people in my network that I've done business with and they, they know what I do or the founder knows, you know, it's in my sweet spot Uh, But generally it's a founder, you know, I'm 54, like I said, so I'm older, I'm not proving anything. So I'm looking for things that excite me. You know, I want to be the number one user of investments that I make. I trust my own instincts around that. So if the product is something I'm not going to use, it's, you know, what do I have to prove? And, you know, even if the founder is great, I'm like, eh, like, you know, I can't, if I can't be your biggest cheerleader, I don't know why you would want me as an investor. So I want to be like, head of marketing head of sales for the company without getting paid so I have to find products in companies that I believe in because just making money is not a factor for me anymore uh, when you're 20 it's the urge that I would tell 20 year olds to resist it's like don't, don't leave the flock until you see a sure thing right mm-hmm. but it's easy to get You know, in a world where everything's abundant, where you have all this time and you have all this content and you have all these relationships, it's easy to get off course every day. Uh, So that's the risk that younger people face is like knowing when to leave the flock or the peloton. Uh, For me, it's like every time I do that, I fucking get mad. Like if it's about something, a shiny object that I don't have complete passion about. And um, so that's what I guard against. So it's generally the person. It's generally an industry that I already love. And, uh, it's generally something where we can help accelerate it. Cause if you're going to do it, you might as well do it. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's just, you know, you're trying to just, you know, it's like a football game. You got to break through the hole. And once you break through the hole, there's like, okay, like a thoroughbred can get to the end zone, but it's that whole angle of attack on the line of scrimmage that we're trying to help people with. So, you know, a great entrepreneur, once they see open space just goes, uh, but how do you get to help that entrepreneur get through the line of scrimmage and and rise above the noise and get their first 1,000, 5,000, 10,000 users? If we think we can help with that, it's a no-brainer for us.
1: Sure. Uh, that's a really good answer to that question. I like that a lot, especially the sports metaphor of how the most difficult part, or at least your expertise, is getting through that that point of most resistance at the line of scrimmage and giving them enough escape velocity so that, to get them to the open field. and then yeah, at that key,
2: point. We're, in a, we're in a power law business. Escape velocity is very important. So if you see a great running back, listen. Can you say very a power much, law? Very power much. Law. Power law means that one company pays for 100 companies, right? So you're okay. going to be wrong all the time. Whereas in the stock market, if you put a portfolio together, you can just batch 20 different companies in different industries together and throw a dart at the wall and get market returns. Uh, investing in startups is much different. Most of the time, because you're stuck with the investment for 10 years or however long they stay in business, uh, you know throwing a dart does not work. Uh, maybe one day it'll work, but right now throwing a dart is is less likely to work versus the stock market um, and therefore you know one company that stands out will make you all your returns and so we're in they call that power law
1: sure. Uh- Uh, I don't think we can, it would be really fair to get you on here and not get some opinions or commentary on the overall hard book market as that's something that, I mean, I was looking at your website again yesterday doing research. You put out like 50 tweets a day on Twitter, 50 on StockTwist here, making comments. I've been on your your newsletter ever since uh, we started talking to you about putting this podcast together. Uh, So the first question I have for you is about the article you actually put out yesterday about Vanguard versus Robinhood. And I think this is a really interesting trend uh, that Mm -hmm. you brought up about how Robinhood is kind of de- Debundling the stock market, whereas Vanguard, you know, 500 stocks that's over diversified, and that's something you could potentially comment on as well because I wasn't sure. Like you kind of said, that's as a, a truth, and I was wondering if you provide some explanation as to why you think 500 stocks is over diversified, mm-hmm. and then also explain a little more how Robinhood's unbundling Vanguard and what do you think that means and why that's a good thing or not.
2: Yeah, I think, I think even Warren Buffett has said, and if you don't have tons of money you have an edge over him right like and so even Warren you know this is what drives me nuts about the media like they're not even like Warren Buffett believes he can be beaten uh you know and even Jack Bogle who started Vanguard thinks that you know everybody doing the same thing is dumb which is where we're at right now in the markets is and just because it's dumb doesn't mean it won't work you know like i think most people will outperform if they put their money in you know consistently in a in an index fund mm-hmm. so not like against it. I just don't think it's smart in the sense that you're not learning anything, and you're not uh, you're 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 just you're just throwing your hat into the ring and saying, "Oh, we'll all fall off the cliff together," or "We'll all make this." I just don't like that idea, right? Especially around something as precious and as fragile as the stock market, which is very much you know, so unique to America. Um, so that gets me riled up. So so Vanguard was great because it was um, reducing costs. For, for people. So I get that, like that just makes common sense. And some people, you know, need to save. and when banks aren't paying 5% or 7% interest, you've got to, you know, want to return, you know, get a return on your capital in, in companies, uh, you know, where the pie is increasing, that's, it's great to invest in companies. Then we went through this Vanguard phase for the last 30, 40 years, where, because it makes sense for most people and because 401k is uh, are set up the way they are, everybody started doing the same thing. And it just became a thing. Like, you're an idiot. You're not indexing. And Vanguard just became like vanilla uh, and black rock. Uh, and along comes, and so I'm swimming against this tide with Twitter and stock twits. And you know, then Uber comes along and allows people to you know, just be, decide on the moment to get a car. And you have YouTube and you can pick your own game and go down whatever rabbit hole you want. And, and um, with stocks, it's to me, we just hit this point where it was inevitable, you know. And along comes Robinhood that said, "We're going to just unbundle this thing and I'll let people just pick and choose the stocks they want." At the same time, obviously, social networks had come along, and obviously, people were picking their own path there, right? Uh, there's the Vanguard Twitter, which is just push the home screen and and see what see what they serve up. And then there's the timeline way of Twitter, which is like, I don't give a fuck. And I want to see. I want to get a rando, I want to get a rando tweet when I open up some hysterical, out of context, uh, you know, non-presidential uh, political statement from some friend that I follow that is completely out of context. It may make me laugh, or uh, you know. And so the stock market's the same way. I mean, shouldn't I be able to build the portfolio that I want when I choose? And um, so we're, we've hit this phase where, and we're seeing it because of maybe because of COVID. Uh, maybe because sports is closed, you know, we can cares what the reasons are in the end. People are choosing to open a Robinhood account and either learn, blow their brains out, try and become a millionaire overnight, whatever. And the media is having a field day with this to the benefit of Robinhood by saying, this is dumb. Well, I would argue it's not dumb. It was just going to happen. And Robinhood just in the time and everything, you know, they executed right, where they just decided they put a finger in the dike and said, listen, they're not saying five hundred stocks is stupid. I'm saying five hundred stocks is stupid. It's not Robinhood saying Vanguard's wrong. I think Vanguard has its point, and Robinhood has its point. You know, you can walk into a Walmart and buy a gun. Uh, it's stupid uh, to me. Um, and but we're letting kids do that. Uh, we're letting kids drive drunk. We're we're letting kids, you know, vape. Um, but they can't buy one share of Amazon and YOLO it. Um, so. So I'm more of the, you know, to me, Robinhood is free speech um, more than Twitter is free speech. Robinhood's saying, I hate Philip Morris or I hate food companies or I hate uh, this conglomerate and I want to remove them from my portfolio. So when I buy the S&P 500, I got Comcast in there. I got Verizon. I got AT&T. I got railroads. I got oil companies. I'm like, I don't know, that seems very no free speech. And Robinhood is like, okay, I like Peloton and Lulu well, shouldn't you have 10 companies? Well, that's my choice. Like, leave me alone. I'm—I That's how I'm voting with my money. And so that's the freest speech possible is your hard earned money or your uh, parents' money or wherever you got your money. And so we are now in an area where people don't talk about, but it's a free speech thing. We're finally letting people vote with their wallets again for free uh, and for free, but I mean, you know, it's never anything for free but the choice is, is magical. And I think kids have gotten a flavor of it. And it's like, you're not going to put that back in the box again because you have a social network. Hey, Howard, what do you like? All right. Well, if my story makes sense, I'm not an analyst getting paid. And you know, you're not, you know, if you like my Snapchat story, you get to ride along with it. Mm -hmm. Well, by the way, if you're nice to me, you can probably ask me a question in two weeks about Snapchat. Did I change my mind? But uh, so I'm saying like, when you have that much democratization of, of information and so many different platforms to find smart people to chat with, and then you give them a free tool to uh, invest with, you know, Vanguard's dead, in my opinion. It may take 50 years, and and, and I can't predict when, but in an era where they have hidden the the hardest part, which is the fractionalization and the choice, uh, it's just a matter of time. Uh, And it won't even, you know, it's just a matter of time. I agree with you about the fractionalization
1: and how but being able to get exposure to all five hundred companies was a major like competitive advantage for them and how that's gone away. Uh, with Robinhood. But I think another draw to funds like Vanguard is the promise of like good returns with passivity. Because
2: for me, like I know if i It's playing good this, returns though. See, I, I argue that like Sure. That's, that's obviously just, that's there's just no something agreed upon assumption. Accepting the media is the media's bought into it's a narrative that like, yeah, I, he did this. Sure. And I, the unbundling means also I was like, wait a minute. I, I'm very focused on, I'm going to get rich by getting on a rocket ship. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to get the S&P returns. Maybe I should be 90% cash, 10% stocks. And the 10% stocks should be the two like favorite. Like a barbell,
1: barbell approach.
2: Or just whatever. There's no yeah. rules. Like there's these like media <laughs> defined boundaries that I should be in the S&P 500 and get 10% a year. I'm like, that seems shitty to me. Why shouldn't I be able to make 90%? So again, we're seeing kids say, wait a minute, YOLO, fuck this 10% bullshit, you know, and uh, that's, that's the beauty of it is, you know, with, and they'll learn that, oh shit, if I'm trying to for 90%, I could lose all my money. Yeah. Okay. Well, so start small, take your first, you got 10 grand, take a thousand and YOLO the shit out of it. Uh, <laughs> and you'll learn if you like the water. Um And you'll figure it out if you lose it quickly to find shit that didn't feel good. Uh, Let me find some people that know what they're doing. And so I just don't like this idea of here's what you should expect from your returns because and what you get from that is Walgreens. You walk into Walgreens, you're looking for a fucking chocolate bar and there's 7,000 chocolate bars. I'm like, do we need 7,000 chocolate bars? You know, I thought I knew what I liked, but I always presented with 7,000 Band-Aids, 7,000 shampoos, 7,000 know, gums, whatever. And in the end, Amazon you know, I was like, I know what I need. I'm just gonna fucking type it into the thing and get it. In, in Praise the capitalism. Thing. What's that? I said, praise capitalism, you walk into yeah, a Yeah, I mean, praise capitalism, and, and this is media. Like, media's just decided, and media's in its last legs here because, you know, they used to have power, and now they don't. And we're learning. We're in this massively wild shift from, like, Walter Cronkite to the complete opposite now, and we'll probably revert back to the middle. And we were on this, we were on this thing with the corner store that became, Amaz- you know, that became uh, Walmart, and it was unbundled with Amazon and uh you know covid might have killed the corner store we were headed back to a corner store until covid um and so we're in a dangerous period of corporate and media their last you know cor- corporations are much stronger than media and uh but media is on its last power uh you know it used to have respect now it's just a laughing stock and part of the laughing stock is finance is like what does don't tell me what the returns are I, 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 you know, and kids are just like, I don't give a fuck what the returns are. I'm doing what's what I like. And that's the Robin Hood. That's the Robin Hood versus Vanguard. It's a bigger fight than people understand. And it's the biggest fight. It's yeah. money, and freedom, I think- money and freedom. And Vanguard is popular because they lobby. I mean, it might've been a great product and it may still be the best product, but they lobby them and BlackRock, you know, lobby the shit to get the rules changed in their favor because they're so powerful and so this has now become like biblical it's like okay well vanguard well now we're starting to see is like i don't like 10 percent of your i don't like owning crappy companies as part of my vanguard 500 i'd like to deselect. all vanguard has to do is create a deselect button and they could win there'd be no vanguard but they decided not to they had the power to do all this. Yeah, I think that is where... They launched a brand called uh, Vanguard Plus, which is just like, tell us which companies you don't want to be in your... You know, just let me pick five companies that I hate. Vanguard, uh-huh. Comcast, at and Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo. I'd like those to not be... I'd like to own the Vanguard 495. Yeah, if they gave you that not- choice, there'd be no Robin Hood. I think the uh, M1 finance
0: is a, a really interesting tool that's a, that gives that passivity that Lewis is talking about and also gives you the ability to choose what you want. Yeah. Um, I think also that you're right about the media being um, not only a laughing stock, but just like not almost only listened to, to
2: point out the parts of it that are bullshit. Um, well, they're not trying, right? When you know you're, you're, they're either trying too hard or not trying. There's no, there's no success, just doing your job at a media company. You got to either get clicks, or you have to just write vanilla headlines. Mm-hmm. And so there's nobody working really hard uh, because you don't get paid to work really hard. So the good ones try and go it on their own and stick to a niche, whether it's sports or. Technology or politics, and you have to go find them on Substack, or you have to go find them, and then you got to go support your journalists to go do that. Um, and that's up to us, and that's gonna happen like in the end, it's just gonna happen. We're just gonna, you do good work, I'll support you. You know, the Patreon approach, and uh, you're gonna have to find your thousand true fans and go build a business. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, journalists are, are have to swim away from the great white shark right now, which is you know you know, Fox and CNN and MSNBC. Like, if you're going to be good, you may have built your platform there, but if you want to be relevant in the future, you got to swim away from the great white shark and not enough are, right? And because they're not, they're scared, whatever. But the good ones are, and uh, and they'll get discovered in this new world. So media is the furthest behind uh, in the reality of this new world. On a different no just a
0: direct question what tech stocks do you think are the safest over the next 10 years in terms of uh not being disrupted
2: well there's no safe uh in terms of not being disrupted we've seen you know covid made which is a pretty catastrophic uh economic event made the five the fang stocks stronger so i think it'd be hard to argue that they're not safe you know but I don't like the word saved. It's hard to argue that in 10 years, they won't be bigger. So you have to play that game. There, Any portfolio should begin with some combination of two to the five of those companies. Quite, you can have a personal opinion, but if, as long as you pick two of the five right, you're diversified. Uh, and then the, net, the real thing about... It, you know, beating the markets in or or trouncing the markets, which I like to say is how do you pick the next 10 or 15 companies that are in your portfolio? The ones that could become planets, you know, I call the FANG stocks planets and I'm trying to find, you know, companies that are going to launch themselves into orbit and be, you know, the up and coming FANG stocks. And is that Twilio? Is that elastic? Is that Peloton? Is that Lulu? Is that, you know, now you gotta, there's probably a hundred companies to choose from and you got to find 10 that, you know, That complement your two or three planet picks. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything else is noise. You know, you want to own Caterpillar or 3M or an airline. I don't get it. Uh, You can play those games and try and you know win around the edges. But really, it comes down to picking the next companies that Apple and Facebook and and Netflix and Amazon and Google are going to have. Microsoft are going to have to buy. Which which of the which companies are coming up that? To protect the planets, they're just gonna eat up. And mm-hmm. that's what I try and do. So I'm I I look at the stocks as like a like a video game. It's like who can get to the next level? Which companies like are gonna get to the next level? I don't go much deeper than that. I'm playing a very high end Lego tactical market cap business. You know, can Peloton get to the next level? I think so. I think they're you know, and so it's about that. So I have one bonus question that's
1: maybe a quick one. I looked on your Twitter and saw some of the accounts I was following that followed you. And I saw that the state of Israel followed you on Twitter, uh, which I thought was really interesting. I'm not sure if you knew that. Uh, I didn't know. I'm nervous. Oh, I was wondering if you knew that and were, if could explain why.
0: Okay.
2: No, I mean, I was in Israel for, in the West bank last year, I had a great trip. Maybe someone knew someone there that, uh, I'll have to look that one up. That's cool.
0: Um,
2: No, I don't know why. I don't look. So one thing is, I don't know who follows. Otherwise, I would change the way I tweet. So or or speak. I try. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not truth to power or anything. I'm just truth. Truth the goofing off. So Twitter is is a place where um, I test things. Like okay. A comedian, like a comedian will go on stage in a non you know. without telling people and try material Twitter is where I try things you know I'm trying not to offend but I'm also trying to see what people are interested in and put the vibe Uh out there so Twitter is just my blank space where I can just get a reaction you know if you could walk into a movie theater while everybody's looking at the screen in a dark room and yell something and and then hear their reaction and sneak out that would be pretty cool right that would be like a great place to To try different things, you know, if you want to scream a dirty epitaph, or if you want to do a limerick, or if you want to scream a joke, or if you want to see, you know, and Twitter is the exact same thing, right? Like, where else could I go and just do a, you know, five, 10,000 people just yell something and get a response? Definitely, uh, I choose to try and do something that is educational and uh, you know makes people think. Other people are trying to do more manipulative things, um, but it's a it's a great place to you know, yell things or, or, or blurt things out. And with respect to state Israel, I mean, that's great. I just, the more people, if I got, I would get nervous knowing who follows me. I just want to be Howard. I just want to be Howard. So I don't really look at my metrics or I don't look at that stuff because you can't grow. And this is the same thing with money. You can't grow. And that's why I don't like gambling in Vegas. You know, I don't like, Mm -hmm. I just, I know when I'm in Vegas, I count my chips. And if you're counting your chips, You're never going to get rich. And if you're looking at your bank account every minute, you're not going to get rich. And if you're worried about what your Twitter people are going to, your fans are going to say, then you're not going to grow your fan base. And so those are just simple truths. Uh, they just are just truths of nature. And, um, so you kind of, kind of stay true to like, keep your, your, you know, it's like, you know, famous people put, uh, what do you call it around them? Like all this group around them, the groupie the posse, you know, I don't want a posse, right? Like the posse kind of changes your, 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 um, easy to get a posse, you pay for it and it just screws your whole fucking rhythm up. Yeah. So, uh, so no state Israel, Israel, No. All right. I have one more question here. This is
1: kind of a broad theme that connects a lot of the different successes you've had personally and with your investing. Uh, what are the most powerful way you'd recommend for young people to use the internet, whether that's Twitter, blogging, podcasting, to get leverage uh, in terms of relationships, audience, whatever, to grow their career network?
2: Yeah, what I tell all the, the guys, it could be Twitter, it could be TikTok, but just start you know, journaling and recording and don't worry about who's following you because why do you want followers when you don't know who you're going to be yet, right? What mm-hmm. your voice is. So um, you know, I think owning your own domain is great. So, you know, whether it's WordPress, like do it yourself, like own, you know, it's easy to just go to Tumblr or Substack or, or Patreon, but you then don't own or medium uh, or Twitter. I mean, Twitter's okay because at least SEO that'll pop up there. Um, But I like WordPress because it's my domain. You Mm -hmm. know, no one can take it from me. And if I decide to move WordPress somewhere else, I got all the the data on your list. Yeah. The I own my yeah, I own my list. And subsect there's companies now saying when you come on, even if you don't own your domain, you you own that list. Um that's your that's your life's work. So um so I'm very serious about like just get started and don't tell people you're doing it because what's the point? And and then you'll find your voice and then you know, uh people will find you.
1: That's what he told uh, us in our first call, he said don't worry about growing your show good co- if it's good content it'll get found
2: yeah and and then if it doesn't get found you'll f- and, and you think you love doing it then you'll hire somebody to help it get found absolutely you
0: know? one thing i wanted to tell you before you before you hop off was uh i found a thing for my sleep that is the military position you like
2: Which military position
0: you lay with your uh i'll just use left right you use your left leg at a 90 degree angle and your left arm up like this and then your right side is down, like your
2: right arm is down, and your left. You send me. Straight, you you, send, right me you send, send me a picture. link. You send a picture or a picture. Yeah, I will. Yeah, I appreciate uh-huh. that. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am. Uh, I'm ready to go to the dispensaries at this point to get weed. I'll try anything if it's meant for uh-huh. sleep. if it's meant to get me calm, and if it's meant to. Uh, part of it is routine, right? Turn your screen off. I'm pretty good about that. But if you've done all the things that you're supposed to do and still can't get to sleep, I'm like, I'm like, I'm all for drugs, not like hard mm-hmm. drugs. I'm all for whatever it takes. You know, for me, riding helps me meditate instead of yoga. So it's like, you gotta build a life where it allows me to ride, you know? Uh, I gotta find the hour and a half a day to ride or five days a week. So uh, with sleep, same thing, I try everything because, you know, sleep is important. Mm-hmm
0: the thing about um, this position is that you can't move you, you, it takes a lot of energy for your body to to like toss and turn when you're in it so good. it's been really helpful for me it's reduced my time to fall asleep by at least half so i'll send it to you all right i'm
2: paying it forward i appreciate it of course all right, well, we really all right, appreciate gentlemen, you coming on very here. good very good job i'm happy i could help hopefully uh i'll spread it around when you send me the link i appreciate that thank you so much all right gentlemen thank you so much have Jared. a good day have a good weekend.
0: That wraps up our interview with Howard Lindzen. I'm, I'm really excited that we got the opportunity to speak with him, to pick his brain about, about investing, about life, about his philosophies. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really inspired right now, Lewis, and, I, and I, I, I hope that we are able to have more and more conversations like that one.
1: Definitely. I loved a lot of the concepts and ideas he had, particularly the idea of rocket ships as a framework for talking about different business opportunities. If you can't build your own rocket ship, spend some time joining another one and work your way in if you have to. Offer to work for free, find a way to bring value to them and learn and grow with a team like that. And that's really a framework I want to apply to my own life. And there's so many other great ideas he shared with us. Uh, I really hope you all enjoyed that conversation as much as Kyle and I did and learned from it the same way we did. We have a ton we need to unpack from it as well to make sure we really got all the value out of it. But if you made it this far, I'm assuming you liked what you heard. Maybe it's just because you really like Howard. Maybe it's because you like Kyle and I and our questions. It doesn't really matter. But if you want to support the Lewis and Kyle show, which I really hope you do, the best way you can do that is by leaving us a rating and or review on iTunes. That's the best way for our show to grow in popularity, to be recommended to people in the feeds, to be ranked highly in the charts and is the best way we'll move forward. And that's helping us get high quality guests like Howard on the show in the future and continue having these awesome conversations. So thank you so much for listening. Please leave a rating or review if you enjoyed the show and we will see you in a couple of days with the next episode. Thank you so much. See you next time.